0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. within the context of our relationship with God, to be thankful for all that we have. And I'm hopeful that you have been doing that. And then last week we talked about fasting. Uh, and that was kind of a fun message. I haven't talked about fasting many times in my ministry. And just it was great to look at the scripture and see all those different things. So if you missed any of those messages, they're available on our website or on a podcast. You can catch up along with us. But let's turn again to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 says this and this is the confidence that we have toward him if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him so we can see that effective prayer and biblical prayer is based on the will of God or the word of God. And that's why on uh, your prayer card, uh, we have scriptures there so that we can be praying in line with the word of God. In other words, in praying in line with the will of God, not just asking for the things that we want or the things that we desire. That effective praying actually starts within the mind of God that we would be praying out His will, that we, we would want His kingdom come, for His will to be done. Amen? Not just the things that we desire and want that. So effective praying actually starts with us understanding and knowing what the will of God is, and then depending on that, asking for that, that God's will would be done. And we, um, we've been talking about, talking about a lot of different verses, and you know, I was, I was thinking... This week, a little bit about prayer, and one of the great uh, revelations that Jesus gave us, our understanding with uh, with God, is that he called God Father, and this was kind of a different thing for the religious people of the time, that Jesus really was focusing on this relational aspect of God, and then he called God Father a close term, in other words, Father, and as I was thinking about this, um, you know, I... My, my two kids, my, my wife is actually away uh, visiting her family in Arizona uh, for a week here, and uh, a shout out to all of you single parents. Uh, I have a new respect for you and all that you do, and I've been praying for you. My wife's only been gone for, it seems like forever. It's been a, just three or four days, and uh, you know the house is still standing, nothing's been burnt down yet, and the kids have made it to school. Almost on time. Um, <laughs> different things like that. But we went over to my parents' place on Friday night to play some games, just to hang out together. And you know, I, and I always noticed, like my dad as a grandfather is completely different than my dad as a father. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That if you had a, uh, just going to put it out there, my dad was kind of a strict parent. Anybody have a strict parent out there? And, uh, but now he's a grandparent and I don't even know who he is. And, you know, he's like, ah, what do you want to eat and what do you want on it? And do you want ice cream and do you want chocolate with that? Do you want caramel? Do you want like anything that they want and how you want it? And a lot of people want a heavenly grandfather, not a heavenly father. Now, a heavenly father is different than someone that we would, a grandfather is just going to give you whatever you want, whatever you want and how you want it, and they don't have to discipline you or correct you. But that's the way fathers should be. That's the way parents should be. They should be correcting their children, disciplining their children. Can I get an amen? amen? We shouldn't be grandfathering our children. We should be fathering, parenting our children. We shouldn't let it be letting our children just act any old way. That good parents actually correct their children, bring their children in line. And this is what God does with us, with his word. And this is a big part of what we're talking about, you know, in our relationship with God, that in our prayer time, not only are we asking for change, but we should want to be changed. Not just asking for God to do something in the lives of other people, but as we're spending time in God's presence, in his word, That within that relationship, God is always changing us. God is always moving us into the image of Christ. So let's turn into another scripture here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. We're going to talk a little bit of a, of a practicality about praying today and a little bit about attitudes. And we have a tremendous verse here in first Peter chapter three, verse twelve says this For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open. So, prayer time is not about trying to get God to hear us. His ears are already open to the prayers of the righteous. And we're not righteous in and of our own doing. We are righteous because of the righteousness that God has given to us through Christ. So, it's not, it's, we, we don't qualify for this on our own, but we have qualified for it because of Jesus. That his ears are open, that he's actually listening to what we are saying, and this is an amazing thing as we think about our relationship with God. We don't have to chip away at the walls of heaven and kind of try to break them down, that God is actually already, his ears are open to what we're saying, which is a great privilege for us. John chapter 14 verse 12, Jesus is speaking here and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John sixteen twenty three. And that day you will ask of me nothing. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus talks about prayer and, and asking God for things. He says, in my name. And when we pray, hopefully all the prayers that we pray, and I know the prayers that I pray in our, in our private life, in our personal time, we always pray. And I'm hopeful that you do as well. We're praying in Jesus' name. And the reason we do that is because of these verses. But when we say in Jesus' name, we're not saying some sort of incantation. We're not saying something that's kind of like abracadabra. That the three magical words out there are in Jesus' name. Though that we, we line this up with our other verses that we've just read. That the first part is, it's not just asking for any old thing. It's asking for the things that are actually already in line with God's will. Not just us coming up with our stuff, but asking for the things that God says that He desires for the world. That He desires for our life. So in Jesus' name, is not an incantation, it's not an abracadabra. It is actually um, something, it's supposed to be an understanding for us. That we're praying, not in ourselves, that we are actually praying in the access that God has given us through Christ. That we are an agent... ...of the kingdom of God. That we're praying in Jesus' name. In other words, we're uh, not coming in and of ourselves, of our own righteousness. And then we're also not just asking for just desires that we would have... ...that we want to start, knowing what God's will is... ...and then asking for those things. So it's, it's more of an understanding that we're coming on behalf... ...or in stead of Jesus or in his stead... ...and asking for the things that he would want. Now, if you work for a company and you go somewhere... ...and you have to go and you travel... Um, and you're coming on your company's behalf and you show up there, you're not just going doing your own bidding. You're actually doing the things that your company would have you to do, that they're sending you on a trip so that you can accomplish something and do something on behalf of head office, so to speak. So our prayer life is like that, that we're coming in Jesus' name. We're coming because Jesus already came and he has authorized us and he has given us access to God. Now, when we think about attitudes in prayer, um, and as I've mentioned to you uh, many times that, you know, I've grown up in church, so I've seen a lot of different things in church, and I've seen a lot of different attitudes in church, and I've seen a lot of stuff as it relates to prayer. And as it relates to prayer, a lot of times our attitudes can be kind of in two extremes. There can be sort of a demanding impatience. And maybe you um, might have noticed this sometimes in your own life, and I know I have in mine, that sometimes we're asking for something and we know that we've lined ourselves up with God's word and then we've asked for a thing and then the thing maybe doesn't come right away or we don't see change right away or we don't see the change that we hope for or the change that we expected right away. And then we can just get a little bit impatient with God. Can anyone raise their hand that you've been impatient with God? Yeah, it's just something that we feel sometimes because we, we would think like this, if I was God i just give it to me right away, right? Because, you know, it would just be a choice that I would make and I would want this thing and I would want it right away and it would just make sense to me. And once again, going back to putting our trust in our Heavenly Father, that sometimes, um, does anybody have any children out there and they maybe ask you for certain things and it's like, it's not time yet for you to have that. It, it, I'm going to give that to you, but just not—it's not now. Maybe in two years from now or three years from now, when you're mature enough to handle it. And this is part of our reliance on our heavenly Father within the context of our prayer life—that we're going to put our ultimate trust in Him. So our prayers can be uh, sort of in, can become impatient. We can become impatient with God, or the other extreme is a complete lack of confidence. That when I pray, I don't, I don't really think anything is going to happen. Uh, you know, I pray this and nothing happened. I pray this, nothing happened. And I so-and-so that I knew, and they were the best, best Christian I ever knew, and I ever put, laid eyes on, and they prayed and something didn't happen for them. And, you know, maybe God is just listening to the Pope, or God's just listening to the TV preachers. And they have a complete lack of confidence within the context of their, from the context of their prayer life. And I think the Scripture helps us to get out of either one of these extremes. And we're going to look at some verses here that will help us to understand what God wants us to do, how he wants us to think when we come to him in prayer. So when we're coming in Jesus' name, we're not coming on our own behalf. And it's also telling the story that there was a cost paid. And then also, there was a place given to us within the context of God's kingdom so that we could ask for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. All right, so let's turn over to Luke chapter 11 and let's look at one of these things that will help us. One of these things that we talked about, maybe um, a little bit of a lack of confidence and these verses here in Luke chapter 11 will help us to have that place of confidence as we pray. Luke chapter 11, very famous section of scripture on the subject of prayer. We'll start reading here in verse 1. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. Now, this is what we would call the Lord's Prayer. The last time we did a prayer series, I actually went through this prayer, and we talked about all these different things. this is very familiar to us, or a lot of people, and so I won't necessarily go into detail uh, a teaching about this today. You can go back and listen to those past messages, but... It says this, Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, so once again, that's the starting place. The starting place is this close relationship with God, not a distant God, not grandfather God, but father God. That work and and we, we would know him and he would know us. so And we, there would be a, a measure of familiarity, that a measure of comfort to be able to come to him. Father, hallowed be your name. We talked about thankfulness already. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, now he's going to tell a story here. Now, this story that we're about to read helps us to understand about prayer, and it specifically helps us to understand about the attitude that God wants us to carry into our relationship with him, into a time of prayer. So he's continuing to teach on prayer, verse 5, and he said to them, which of you has a friend and will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to do to set before him. So he starts telling the story. And if, we're, if we read this too fast, we're going to like, there's a lot of friends in here. I don't know what's happening in story. the story. The simplicity of the story is there's three different people being described in the story. So you've got a friend, uh, someone that you know, and he has someone who showed up at their house late at night. Someone just showed up maybe from out of town and like, hey, we just want to drop by and say hi to you. And then someone, they show up at your house and you don't have any food to give them. You know, and this is back in the day, there's no 24-hour grocery stores, you couldn't go run to the corner store and grab something. And so somebody showed up at your house and you don't have anything to feed them and to be a good hospitable person, you should feed the people that show up at your house, right? Come on now. Any people out there like to cook for friends and relatives? And so when people show up at your house, you want to give them something to eat. So this person, they have this friend show up and they don't have anything. So what they think is, I'm going to go over to my other friend's house and I'm going to ask them for some loaves of bread. But the issue is, it's midnight. It's the middle of night, everybody's asleep, there's no 24-hour stores to go to. So they think, you know what, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to ask. Even though it's midnight, even though maybe they're probably sleeping. So the story continues. And he will answer from within. So you've gone to this guy's house, your friend's house at midnight, and he's going to answer from inside his house. Don't bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are here in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. It's midnight. We're all asleep. I'm not going to get up to give you anything. Go away. Stop knocking at my door. Verse 8 continues. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So the guy inside the house, he's there in his bed, he's asleep, his whole family is asleep and he yells, you know, don't bother me. It's late. What are you doing at my door? And then and the, the story continues, he's not going to go, now he actually changes his mind and he's going to go and give him something, but it says not because he's his friend, and then he says because of his impudence. Now this isn't a word that we use a lot, my parents used it a little bit on me when I was a child, don't be impudent, so it's kind of a negative thing, maybe, and um, it's, not, it's not a word that we use a lot. Now in the Greek there's actually two words here that become this one word. And if we go back and look what it is, it's actually two words, and it just means without shame. Because he was bold enough to come to my door at midnight, not because we're friends, because maybe after this we won't be friends. <laughs> Don't show up at my house at midnight and ask me for food, because, you know, it's, it's, sleep is not appropriate. But the guy inside the bed who's asleep, he's like, man, just because this guy was bold enough to ask. I am going to get up and I'm going to give him some bread. And this whole story about the guy answering from within the house hangs on this one thing because of his impudence or because he was just shameless to show up and ask that he didn't have shame. See, this is a big part of uh, a religion in the world and sometimes even the context of Christian religion that people have a real shame as it relates to God. Because they've done wrong and they've, they've made mistakes and they haven't done right. Whether with choices they made or maybe they think within the religious context and, and you will see within religions of the world that people will, uh, you know, build these stairwells and these big, and they'll, they'll tell someone, okay, if you go up these stairs on your knees... And just sort of punish yourself because of all your shame. And if you walk up these stairs on your knees, and by the end if your knees are bloody, then you can talk to God. Or in other places in the world you see will people will whip themselves. And they'll, you know, shame themselves. And put themselves down. And then after they do all of these things, then they'll pray. But here Jesus is telling us a completely different story. He's saying because this guy came without shame, that he just came boldly. Like you would. And just to say, I'm just, I'm just coming to ask you for this. Not coming with your head down and, and and scared and nervous and shameful. But to come without shame. And just ask. This is how God wants us to come to him in prayer. That we wouldn't come with shame. That we can come boldly to the throne of grace. That we can come... Um, with a heart of assurance that we can come because he has made us righteous, that we can come in Jesus' name. I'm not coming in Brent's name. I'm not coming in the name of the church. I'm not coming in the name of my parents. I'm not coming in the name of my own righteousness. I'm coming in Jesus' name. and Because I'm coming in Jesus' name, I could be bold. Because Jesus has accomplished something, and God is inviting me into this relationship with him, that He just wants us to ask boldly, and He wants us to ask without shame. This has finished the rest of the story. Though I tell you he will not up, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. for everyone that asks, re- asks receives, and the one who s- seeks finds. and to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead give a, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. What's the answer to that? Is there a good father out there that will do this? No, if your child is asking you for something good, you're not going to give them something bad. And this is a great... This Even just those few words help us to understand about God's character. That the bad things, the difficult things coming our way are not coming from the good, loving, heavenly Father. They're coming from maybe bad choices that we made. They're coming from the devil. They're coming from the broken world around us. But the scripture is telling us here... That if we ask for this, something that's good, something that the scripture says that we can have, God's not then going to give us something negative. Did you read that with me? So we know that God is always our refuge and our fortress, a very present help in time of trouble. He's not giving us evil when we ask for good. Are you out there today? So we know that God is never the author of those things. We just read it there together. We're not going to ask for something good and then something bad comes our way. We say, oh, that's coming from God. No. If you're a good father, you're not giving your child evil things when they ask for good. Helps us to understand about the character of God. Verse 12, before you ask for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Would any good father do that? No. Then God the Father is not doing that. If you then, who are evil or natural or carnal, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's giving us the good things that we ask for. Now, once again, asking when we're asking our Father, not our, our Heavenly Grandfather, Do you understand, that's a big difference. Our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. And part of us asking is depending on His timing. Are you out there today? So we're not going to be impatient. And we're not going to have a lack of confidence. So, hey, what is He doing? He's asking us to come boldly. Without shame. With our head held high. In Jesus' name. Not my own righteousness. Not my own goodness, not my own religiosity. Not in the name of my denomination, not in the name of my favorite preacher. But I come in Jesus' name. He's the one that made a way for me to have a relationship with God. So for us, that should solve the riddle of the lack of confidence that, I, that God is actually inviting me to ask. That I don't have to go and just have this lack of confidence. In life or in, in my prayer life. And then what's the other side of the coin? Kind of just sort of a demanding impatience. That I'm just going to be impatient with God. That I think that my, the way that I would do the timing in my life is superior than to God's knowledge. Kind of just impatient with God. Now what's our issue there? If we're just kind of like, you know, I've got everything together and I, it should be now and it should be the way I want it to be kind of a little bit of a lack of humility and then it's a little bit of lack of reverence for god so we have one extreme lack of confidence god says to come boldly and then the other side we can maybe help these verses will help us proverbs chapter 9 verse 9 says this give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning verse 10 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, this word, you know, we don't use this word like this a lot of times. This word, fear, because generally fear has a negative connotation. I'm scared of something, where there, you know, something to happen to me, or or scared of this, or scared of this situation. Now, this word is not used as the be afraid of. It's used in the idea of reverence. That we are going to reverence God. That we would come to that the beginning of wisdom. What is it? It's the fear of God or the reverence of God. So, which is it? Is it that we're supposed to be uh, afraid of God, fearful? Here, the scripture would say, or are we supposed to be bold? And the answer is yes. That we, as we come to God, that we are going to reverence Him. We're not coming with impatience, demanding impatience within the context of our relationship with God. That we are asking boldly and confidently, but also in awe of who he is. He is the holy other God, the loving heavenly father. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if we are getting demanding and impatient with Him, we have a little bit a lack of reverence. We have a lack of awe. And this is such a wonderful balance for us. This is such a wonderful balance for us in our prayer life that God, that Jesus is teaching us about prayer. And He says, hey, I want you to come this way. I want you to come without shame. But then the beginning of wisdom is reverencing God such a beautiful thing that we can come and we can honor God, but then we can also be bold to ask that we get rid of this lack of confidence and then we get rid of this demanding impatience and then we come with awe and confidence That we come to God with awe of who he is, that we come to him with a worshipful attitude, but then we also come confidently. We come in faith. Knowing that we can put our trust in Him. We come with awe and confidence. And this develops a richness of our relation, in our relationship with God. Such a beautiful balance for us. The scripture is giving us such a tremendous balance that solves these two extremes. That we can come with awe and confidence. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple different times here in the scripture where the scripture has uh, called us to pray or talks to us about praying. And we're going to see these two things here. We're going to see awe and confidence. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So, what do we have? We have a great high priest. Now, those of you that grew up Catholic, you have an understanding about priests, and the scripture is telling us that Jesus is our high priest. That we don't have to go through another man to have a prayer life, that we don't have to go through another person to have a relationship with God. That Jesus is our high priest, that Jesus is the one through whom we connect to God. We connect to God through God himself. That Jesus is our high priest. That should give us a sense of awe. That God himself came so that we could have a relationship with him. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one who is in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That should put us in awe of Jesus. That he faced all of the temptations we faced, yet he does not have any sin. He did not sin. We can be in awe of him. Verse 16. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see this in this section of scripture? There's awe of who he is. Jesus, our high priest. And then what do we do? With confidence. What do we do? We draw near to the throne of grace. What kind of throne is it? A throne of grace. Grace means that you get what you don't deserve. That's how you got saved That's how you received anything with, From God Is because it was given to you By God's grace But what He's inviting us He's inviting us to this throne This throne of grace That we would be in awe of Jesus That he is without sin But yet yet with confidence We go To The throne Of grace So I don't have to go To the throne of grace With shame Because I'm not going in my own goodness. I'm going in Jesus' name. I'm going in what Jesus accomplished. I didn't accomplish anything to be able to get to the throne of grace, but Jesus has. And so I can come to his throne of grace. And I can ask, I can be bold to ask. And I can be in awe that I have a relationship with God. That God, the creator of the universe, has invited me in. That his ears are open to my prayers. Little old me. Messed up me. All the mistakes in my past me. All this stuff that I've done wrong me. He's inviting me. How's he inviting me? In Jesus' name. To come to the throne of grace to come to the throne of grace, that we can be in awe of who he is and we can be confident as we come that we can put our faith in him, that we can trust him, that when we are at the throne of grace that we can actually receive the things that we need. We know that he is a good father, that he is not giving us evil when we ask for good. Thank God for that. Ephesians chapter 3 We'll finish with this Listen to these verses And there's all through this There's confidence and awe Such a great Balance Such great richness To our relationship with God For this reason I bow my knees Before the Father Confidence Confidence I know this is one of the things that, you know, with, within the context of my relationship with my dad, that I know that I could talk to him about anything. That I could ask him for anything. Talk to him that I could, that I could just, that I could know him. And this is the same way God is describing his rela- our relationship with him, that we would just call him Father. That we can be confident when we come. From, this is a prayer now that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Now he's talking about how he's praying for them. And he said, this is what he says. For this reason I bow my knees. Illustrative of prayer. Before the father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory. Ah. And we would be in awe. Of God's glory. His goodness. Who he is. What he's done. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Confidence. That we can have confidence that Jesus is with us. That he is with us every day all of the time, never leaving us or forsaking us. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Can we be in awe of God's love? This is a prayer I pray for you all every week. That we would be in awe of God's love. He, Paul's describing God's love and he's like, well, it goes this way and it goes that 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 way and it's just, we can't get away from it. There's nowhere for us to run from the love of God. And that Paul is praying that we would understand it, that we could be in awe of the love of God. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, confidence. That we could realize that we could be filled with God, that God is in us. His presence is in us and with us. We can have this confidence on our relationship with him verse 20 now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us confidence that we can be confident that god's power is at work his power is at work within us his power is at work within us. His power is at work within us. Well, what if it doesn't look exactly the way I want it to look? And what if I think it's two weeks after I think the thing should have, ta- should have changed? His power is at work within us. That we can have confidence in this fact that He doesn't change, that He hasn't left us alone. That he is a very present help in time of trouble. God is our refuge. We can always go to him. We can always be confident in him. Verse 21, last verse. To him be glory. Awe. Oh. In awe of God. In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That within our time that we spend with God, we can come with these two wonderful attitudes. That we can come in awe of who he is and what he's done. And we can come in Jesus' name confidently to the throne of grace to find help. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful, Lord, that you teach us to pray. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.